The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Bankers, listen up. It's not about you anymore. Customers are demanding a hassle-free experience. They want convenience. They want faster transaction processing. And get this, they want fairer fees. Gone are the days of luring customers into your retail bank with a free gift. Remember back in the 50s? Well, I do, and I think some of my guests today will. When banks gave away toasters to new depositors, hmm, that made choosing a bank really easy. You picked the bank that gave you the best toaster. Wow. Well, today it's a little more complicated. Two recent blogs tell the story. I'll quote the titles. Four reasons why bankers should think like retailers. That's one. And the other one is stop running banks for bankers. Run them for customers. There's a big message in there. So what do the experts say? Well, we're going to be talking with three of them right here today on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Javelin's James Van Dyke, he said I could call him Jim, says, In today's increasingly always-on and real-time world, people increasingly want more control of their ability to manage, monitor, and move their money. There are three M's for you. Four, manage, monitor, and move their money. We have to tweet that, Malcolm. SAP's Tom McAllister, who's a former CIO of the Bank of Ireland U.S. Holdings, can't wait to talk to Tom, says the current state of flux in banking makes this an excellent time to give the systems of the 80s and 90s a decent burial. I'm waiting for the waiting for the uh, the trumpets to do the burial or taps or something. And SAP's Carl Snyder adds, The revenue train may have left the station, but there is still ample opportunity to drive revenue growth and grow the ever-elusive wallet share that bankers crave. Hey, why wouldn't they want wallet share? That's what keeps them alive. So join us for the next hour for Retail Banks of the Future. For the customers, not the bankers. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. So happy to be here. This is our, my goodness, 38th episode, 38th consecutive week of live radio here on the Business Channel, and we're thrilled to be with you. Let me tell you very briefly about my guests. You'll get to hear them say hello, and then we'll launch into our discussion. James Van Dyke is founder and president of Javelin Strategy and Research. Jim has over 20 years' experience in electronic commerce, financial services, security, and payments, and his company, Javelin, provides leaders with strategic and factual insights on customer transactions. He presents at the U.S. House of Representatives, I'm impressed with that, and the Federal Reserve Bank. And Jim also reaches 40 million people a year through media outlets like the Wall Street Journal, Business Week, The Economy, Economist, Forbes, USA Today, New York Times, on and on and on. Jim Van Dyke, say a quick hello so everybody can hear you. How are you? I'm great. Hello, everyone. 
Good. Glad to have you on the show, and let's meet the rest of our panelists now. I'm going to introduce Carl Snyder. Carl is a senior industry principal in the Financial Services Division for SAP North America. He focuses on retail banking solutions. Welcome, Carl. How are you today? Good morning. Thank you. I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks. Good. Thanks for joining us. And our third guest is Tom, Thomas F. McAllister. He brings 35 years of financial services experience to his role as Senior Industry Principal in the Financial Services Group at SAP America. His previous executive leadership roles for a range of global service providers to the banking and financial services industry include, as I said before, CIO and Head of Operations, the Bank of Ireland U.S. Holdings. He was also Head of Global Services for Sanchez Computer Associates. Tom, quick question. Is that in Pennsylvania? It used to be. Uh, Sanchez was acquired by Fidelity a few years ago. So there's, a, there's offices in Pennsylvania, but uh, a lot of the folks moved down to uh, Jacksonville, Florida. I knew them. I worked with them. I was uh, marketing head of marketing at Savings Bank's Trust Company on Long Island, and SCA was one of our vendors. So that 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 tickled my memory. You're also uh, with NCR before and um, at SAP America. So I want to welcome everyone, and let's get started. I'm going to go through your quotes and the monologue, and let's hear what you have to say. Jim Van Dyke, in today's increasingly always-on and real-time world, and that's important, always-on and real-time, people want more control of their own ability to manage, monitor, and move their money. How do you know this, Jim Van Dyke? When we look at our data, and this is data that people cannot see from analyzing what's going on in their own servers, we see, for example, a tripling in the quantity of people who say it's primarily their job to protect their financial accounts. So these are people who have mm-hmm. accounts at banks and who say, I want so much to control what happens with my information. I don't even think it's my bank's job. And what we find is from uh, the ability to look at attitudes around protection of data, we can determine what affects the marketing metrics like acquisition, revenue, and loyalty. Do you find any gender or age skews in your demographics in your research, Jim? Do you find that, uh, I know I have a personal radio show and I've interviewed women who help women manage their money, which is always a big question, is what what do women who are making money need to know about managing it? Because the old paradigm was the husband or the man would do it. Excuse me, everyone. So do you see any gender skews on who's more concerned about managing their money today, Jim? Yeah, yeah, I'll touch on both of those. One, we just did a, um, answered a, an inquiry for a, a, a large bank client who was trying to understand gender differences. So those are very nuanced. They're important, but they're they're not the big thematic messages. So, okay. yeah, women control a little more in a, in a shared household of bill paying activities, and and they really respond differently to particular messages. They tend to be much more thoughtful about uh, um, stock uh, uh, you know, investment sector decisions. But those are more nuanced. The one about age is especially important. Okay. And this is where CIOs in banks absolutely have a blind side because they're obsessed with analyzing data that sits on their own servers. Well, that's good. You need to be able to do that. But you have a disconnect in organizations, especially because of this age difference, because the CMO, the chief marketing officer in banks today, is working from market data. The CIO is obsessed with, an, with better analytics around about understanding what's going on with data that sits on their servers, and neither one of them is working from the data set. So the age example mm-hmm. is important because we see this tripling of people who want primary control of their own finances, 
They want real-time alerts. They want to be able to set parameters to block the transactions that they don't want to have happen in the first place and be able to push money to other people in ways that looks more like PayPal than Visa. Mm -hmm. And when we look at that, we see that those capabilities largely don't exist in banks today, and they're driven by age. Very interesting. I'm glad I asked. It wasn't in the notes, but I thought it would be interesting because we're talking retail banking. We're talking people who at one time walked into the bank and said, I want to do this and that. More and more of us are doing it online. And because we're in the information age and the instant always on, as you said so aptly, Jim, we want it now. We want to know. So let's turn to SAP's Tom McAllister. Tom, you have a very deep background in banking, and you say the current state of flux makes this an excellent time to give the systems of the 80s and 90s a decent burial. And as I said, I'm waiting for taps to be played. But what do you mean by the systems of the 80s and 90s? Are they still around? Oh, they sure are. As a matter Uh of fact, the majority of the systems, especially in the larger banks, and and that starts at uh, as low as $10 billion and up, um, certainly have been around for that long. And and, and they've been around because of a couple of reasons. Uh, the, The biggest is that there weren't new solutions out there uh, that could warrant the banks to take the move to, to uh, you know, change out the front-end systems and chain out the core banking. It used to be said that, uh, you know, we as CIOs used to always want to wait for the next CIO coming along to do that conversion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and while it's kind of joking, it, it, it's, it's of a serious nature. Um, implementing the new platforms that were plagued by, you know, the ones that tried it, cost overruns, other hazards, uh, but but basically, the reason for that was uh, as much, you know, weak support from the boards and the executive management, mm-hmm. didn't do due diligence. There was an inadequate understanding of the banks. But, you know, Jim, we started off, you talked about the changes, and you talked about it in your opening, about uh, the way that, that, that people are banking today, the ages, mm-hmm. the differences. I've got a four-year-old grandson who's totally intuitive when it comes to an iPhone. <laughs> I mean, he plays games on it because I thought it gives it to him to, to play games on but. But he understands that. So in the future, uh, banks are going to have to compete with that level of knowledge. You're going to take care of the people of banking today, but there's a new uh, group coming along. And, and these, this new group uh, that wants to bank, wants to bank all the time. They want it to be very intuitive. They want it to uh, work in- instantly, and they want the information right away. So how do they compete in the future? It's going to include things that the banks have to compete with the likes of the Walmarts, the phone companies, the utilities of Google. And these, uh, in order to do that, they've got to change. They've got to become more efficient for delivering quality, innovative products and services that would differentiate them from the competitors. Have to do this while rationalizing, simplifying processes. Today is the time to do it. We've just gone through a recession. We've got the old systems. Part of the reason they couldn't look at their counterparty risk, part of the reasons they didn't know their exposure, was because they couldn't tie everything together and get a 360 right. view of the customer. So and that's what they need. That's, that's where we're going, and that's what we have to identify going forward. Thank you, Tom. I'm going to ask Carl Snyder to help me wrap up this segment. We have three minutes left. I'm giving them all to you. Carl Snyder, you said the revenue train may have left the station, but there is still ample opportunity to drive revenue growth and grow that ever-elusive wallet share that bankers crave. Talk to me. Where is the opportunity? It's not toasters. Is it giving away iPhones? What is it? I'm not sure it's like it's about giving away anything, but the um, okay. with, with, with the recent changes and the, and the additions, which you know which we heard a lot about with the Reg E changes, which uh, affected the way banks can charge 
overdraft fees, and of course the Durbin Amendment with interchange income. There's been a significant impact to revenues uh, to banks, and to to I'm going to take a not a a, a, a it's just a, a different spin on what Tom said because what he said is mm-hmm. absolutely true for the future. And the issue, though, is that that is true for the future growth of the bank. But what does the bank do today, right now, as a retail banking executive? What do you do today to bring back that revenue that you've just lost, while at the same time trying to balance what the future is going to look like? That's a very difficult thing to do right now, for especially on the retail banking side, where I know what the future is. I know where I need mm-hmm. to get eventually, as Tom said. My, my teenagers, they don't want to go into a branch. It's all about the, you know, the, the mobility. But in the meantime now, I'm a, if I'm the, the retail ex- banking executive and I'm over sales for the bank, how do I increase that wallet share? How do I drive revenue? So it ha- the banks have to take a di- – before they even have new systems in place, it mm-hmm. all starts around analytics. And I think that Jim touched upon this, that it starts with analytics of understanding truly the customer. I'll say this, and we'll probably touch on this a little later. Banks mm-hmm. are very product-focused as opposed to customer-focused. If I'm incented to sell products, then I'm going to sell the products. However, if I'm incented to inc- increase and improve the profitability of a customer – if that's what I'm incented to do, then it all of a sudden breaks down the silos within the bank and helps us as the bank look at the profitability of the customer. And then I can start to package services and products together that the customers are willing to pay for. Little other products such as ID theft protection. What about credit bureau checks? So there's right. other things that, can, that, that a bank, because they are the trusted advisor of the customer, Supposed they can to be. add to this relationship. Right. So first you sell them a suit, and then you get to sell them the shoes and That's the exactly belt right. and the tie. I'm Bonnie T. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We are live talking about retail banks of the future. Question is, how far off is the future, and can banks afford to wait? I'm speaking with Javelin's Jim Van Dyke, SAP's Tom McAllister, and SAP's Carl Snyder. We'll be back to find out what they are drinking today. Don't go away. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Is marketing making us ill? And if it is... 
How can we heal humanity and the planet by changing the way we sell? This is Lynn Serafin inviting you to join me and a great lineup of thought leaders in business, media, and marketing on The Seven Graces of Marketing, Mondays at 6 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. So let the dialogue begin. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, we're back. It's coffee break time. I'm going to ask my three esteemed banking expert guests to tell me what they're drinking today. I'm expecting something wonderful and banking-oriented. I don't even know what that means when it comes to coffee. Jim Van Dyke, Javelin, what is in your cup? Uh, I'm on my second large cup cup of Pete's um, half and half with lots, I'm sorry, half-calf with lots of half and half in it. Oh, nice. Any sugar, or you just go full test with the half and half and the half test? Uh, the, the full test with lots of cups is good for me. <laughs> I like that a lot. Okay, Tom McAllister, anything uh, to do with Irish coffee? I'm waiting for Irish coffee. Tell me, Tom, are you drinking Irish coffee? Well, I, I really couldn't say that over the airways here, but uh, <laughs> I can tell you I'm a New England guy with an Irish name, and uh, but uh, as a New England guy, I'm drinking Dunkin' Donuts coffee this morning. Very, and what flavor? We have to know. People are waiting uh, to hear. No, I'm a black coffee guy, just just straight up. I years, test. Years in banking did that to me. I see. Well, glad to know that's what bankers drink. And Carl Snyder, what's in your cup today? Coffee? You know, I am drinking a an ice-cold Coke Zero. I love to keep Ooh. my refrigerator here in my office just a tad below freezing, and I love when I open it up and there's those little ice crystals on top, and that's what I've got going on this morning. You know something? I think you're the first. Malcolm will tell me if I'm I'm correct. I think you're the first Coke Zero just below freezing with the the, the <laughs> bubbles on top guest in 38 shows. I think that's a first for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now we're going to go to something in the news. I found out some interesting information from Jim Van Dyke at Javelin. He said they have done research at Javelin on the Occupy movement. And Jim, I'm going to have you talk a little bit if anybody has been hiding under a rock or a cave the past six months to a year. I want you to tell them, but you said, for those who know what the Occupy movement is, you say it failed due to technology inadequacies at community banks and credit unions. Please fill us in, and then we're going to have Tom and Carl comment. I think we'll have an interesting parlay on different POVs here. So, Jim, go ahead. Sure. We we take our market research pretty seriously, so much so that when I was giving keynotes at various banking industry events last fall during the time when Bank Transfer Day, November 14, 2011, was scheduled. Uh, at night, I would go to various cities and actually interview people at Occupy Movements, and I would tell them, I'm you know, keynoting a banking event the next day, and they were pretty open to talk to me, and I'd tell the bankers when I'd keynote, hey, I was at an Occupy Movement the night before. It was a fascinating 
turn of events, and I was armed with market data about mm-hmm. what consumers' intentions were from thousands of people. So what we found was really a good example of what I opened with in this radio show, which is that you need, a, as a banker, you need a combination of customer analytics. I, mm-hmm. I agree with what the other speaker said. You need that 360-degree view of the customer. You need customer analytics, and you need market analytics, which is what your CMO, your chief marketing officer, is looking at. And banks are failing in revenue. An example like from the Occupy movement, because the CMO and the CIO are not talking. They're using mm-hmm. market data and customer analytics. So what we found in the Occupy movement is something that credit union executives and community bankers and large bankers simply had no visibility into, and that is that the predominantly young people at the mm-hmm. Occupy movements who wanted to move their funds, they all told us at Javelin, they told me, well, I'm not going to move, but maybe all my friends here are going to move their money. Why? Because I'm a mobile banker, and mm-hmm. maybe I'm even ready to be a social media banker, and I want real-time information on my accounts. And even when they did try to move their money, we found is when the Occupy New York movement transferred $10,000 to Occupy Oakland to open an account, well, probably what happened is they went online to open an account and they had a fail. So literally one out of two online account opening attempts based on us polling 5,000 people failed. Mm -hmm. People simply couldn't complete the application at a credit union. And that failure rate is much lower at the large banks, but the large banks are where the young people wanted to leave at that time. So it was a failure of things like on, online account opening, mobile banking and all that, and you need market analytics and data, customer data analytics to see it. Very interesting. And you also say, before the other guests jump in, you said the bottom line, and I love this statement, Jim, is credit unions have the love, but Bank of America keeps the young customers. So is that because of these failures, because they're just, OMG, I had the money, I wanted to move it, and yeah. blank, yeah, blank, blank. They, they, yeah, okay. go ahead. We see it in spades in our data. So you take a bank like Bank of America, you know, we, and we do a lot of work. We compare, like, say, what it looks like, and this is what bankers are not looking at today. You know, mm-hmm. a Bank of America executive or a Citibank executive, Wells Fargo, whatever, needs to spend as much time looking at the data on their own customers as they do their competitors' customers. So that's what I mean by market data. And it's when you match the two up, it's like the difference of having a – pro sports team and having two forwards instead of one on your team. So what we see is, for example, Bank of America has a customer satisfaction problem right now. And we can look at their customers who have a primary relationship with B of A and who have a secondary relationship with B of A where they're essentially a profit loser and say, well, what is it about that individual who has a secondary account with B of A? Who who tends to be their primary? Is it city? Is it a credit union? Is it a regional bank? And then to say, to what degree does mobile play a risk and social and all these other things in losing that customer? Or, or like was said mm-hmm. earlier about powerful revenue opportunities and antivirus sales and things like that. So it's all about seeing that, and people simply can't get enough control today. They want control, these younger consumers, that they simply can't get. And I think the key word is they not only want control, they want it N-O-W now when they want it, Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the moment. Okay. Tom McAllister, I know you have something to say I about do. this. Jump, dive in. All I yours. I do, and, and uh, I think we're, we're talking about, though, is right back at the technology level. I'm not sure as a, uh, as a CIO, Jim, I agree with you, former CIO, totally. Uh, 
we worked with our business folks and and uh, a lot. And I started in a small community bank. So, uh, you know, the guys at the banks, they go to work. They want to do a good job. They live in the communities, and uh, they know the people that do the bank with them. But to your point about being unable to transfer money into the smaller groups, it, most of these credit unions, most of the small community banks don't process in-house. Uh, they process through data centers. And these data centers, by and large, there are a couple of exceptions, but by and large, uh, have old flat file systems, and mm-hmm. anybody on the on the you know show here that understands that that old COBOL systems, um, they are not easily changeable. They don't have the new capabilities that the service-oriented architectures bring to to light. And there's not many of the of the vendors, frankly, that that uh, are able to deliver that. But definitely that type of service-oriented architecture and web-enabled and composite-based computing has not gotten down to data centers because when you've got three and four and five thousand customers it's hard to transition and change them and and that i think is at the root cause and so you can't know your customers if you can't even tie things together and of course we're populated with uh service bureaus and, and frankly banks that have silos uh, out there you know they might have a loan silo that doesn't even know what the deposit silo looks at Jim's right. The bigger the banks, they've got, they've spent more money, and they've spent a lot of money wrapping their systems. But at the base, they still haven't uh, brought it up to a, a single uh, instance so that they really can take a real good, long-term, 360-view analytic of their customer and then bring the, the demographics in from the outside and the databases to analyze you know, what they should sell them. How do they keep them? Look at social media. Sure. That's all expensive. That's right. We're, we're looking at it from a retail perspective. You have to get them to love you now, today, tomorrow, all the time, top of mind. Carl Snyder, I know you want to jump in on this. What's your perspective? So, I, And I'll take the uh, – it seems like it's going to be a bit of a theme here. I'll take, a, as Tom talks about the, the systems and the technology, and I'll take this you know, view of the customer today, of what the customer is, is experiencing. And, and going back to what Jim mentioned about the, the Occupy movement, so if we take – that particular moment aside for a second and say, mm-hmm. okay, so what about these customers wanting to leave? Well, what about them moving from one bank to the other? I go back and ask the question, why, why would they want to move? What, what, what we see, especially with the, with the younger generation, with, the, with what we'll call the net gen, um, you know, like my kids, where they don't use a branch, mm-hmm. they want certain functionality. Right? They, they want to use the mobile and the online. They need somewhere to direct deposit their check. Heck, my uh, my 22-year-old doesn't even care if, if, for all he's concerned, his check could go directly from his employer to his PayPal account, and I don't think he'd care, and just get the <laughs> bank out of the, the middle of it altogether. Yeah. So there there is definitely this, you know, this movement of, of, so how do we then sell that customer, right? How does the bank, where my 22-year-old banks, and he's got his checking account and debit and credit card, and so he's on his way, right, to a, he's got a savings account, uh, it doesn't make a whole lot right now. It doesn't have a whole lot in it, but he does use his account. It's okay. Sure. But now how does the bank continue to engage with him? How do they market to one? Right? How does it, and, and he's, he's part of a community, right? He, it's kind of this pack mentality from the social perspective with the younger group, right? And so if this Occupy movement, there has to be a, a, a real reason and a need for them to, to move to other banks. But we, as I said in the, in, in the opening quote, is 
then how do we deepen that wallet share with him? How does the bank take this 22-year-old who is not in the branch and increase that wallet share with him? How do they sell him services and products that he might need, that he doesn't even know exist? We've spoken so, many times. I just want to ask you a question, uh, Carl. We've spoken many times about how with social media today, the customer owns your brand. They're tweeting about it. They're talking about it on Facebook. Yeah. They're friends. I, I know people have thousands and thousands of connections and followers and people who care what you say. At least a couple of them do out of those thousands. How much of that is impacted, as you're talking about, in the younger, the, the 22-year-olds? What is the word of mouth? Is your son going to pass along, hey, I have an account in this bank. Put it on PayPal for me. Woo. Who is is he going to control the fate of how money in his his peer group gets distributed and gets managed? Yeah, I, I do think that there is. As I said, there is a <clears throat> the, the this group of people are very community focused. When I say community, mm-hmm. meaning they become a community. That community, and remember back to the debit card, um, the, the debit card charge. It started at, at Bank of America. Started with they've pinpointed it to one woman who started a blog about it, and it grew exponentially overnight, and all of a sudden, the Wall Street Journal and everybody else is picking up on the story. That yep. pack mentality absolutely can yes. impact how customers bank. Now, we're talking about a particular segment of customers, right? And we don't want to certainly leave out the, the, the rest of those. So right. to, to another point that Jim made about the ability to open accounts online and to do this, there has to be an absolute ironclad for for banks truly to succeed customers are going to have to open up accounts online they want to open them online and there they has do. to be a very seamless process to do so and we're going to pick may up I that jump? important thread well we're going to go to break when you who's that who just said may i jump in who is that oh yeah, i'd just love to jump in with a thought but i can do it after a break if you like Yes, we're going to do it after the break because we have to take a quick break. I have to say that Malcolm is drinking Equator Coffee, Jardinier, deep roast with notes of brown sugar and fresh earth. Woohoo, Malcolm. And Kristen is drinking hot cocoa after last night's Miami Heat win. And Jeff is drinking dark espresso. Thank you very much. He's going to grind it. I'm Bonnie G. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. Great conversation. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss the rest. We're going to talk about prepaid cards and pack mentality in banking. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Tune in for What About Wealth every week to learn the vital answers to your questions about creating wealth, investing it, donating it, and protecting it. Your hosts are Rich Bloomfield and Rick Durfee, who explain the principles that govern wealth in terms you can understand. Building and preserving positive wealth requires correct action, but few people know how wealth really works. Listen every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and find the answers you need about wealth. 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Well, if you could have heard what we were talking about on the break, I had to ask my guests, just stop for a second and save this. It's great, fresh information. Uh, Jim Van Dyke from Javelin is going to pick up where, where Carl Snyder left off. We're talking about capturing the young market where the money may be small right now, but they are going to hopefully get their jobs going and amass some money that they really want to put into some kind of a savings or investment. So, Jim, why don't I let you take this away, and then we're going to address a comment we had from our engineer. So, Jim, you lead. Sure. Yeah, Carl piqued my interest so that he had a great comment about you know, understanding your customers, and you know my my thought was that um, you know these what I called like the two forwards on your athletic team of customer data and market data, and and the, it goes back to the CMO, the chief marketing officer in the bank, not working with the CIO because they're working from different playbooks, different data, and so like I'm looking at data right now just as a quick example about where and how this is important. Citibank, who is one of the top U.S. banks, large mm-hmm. or small, in terms of percentage of their customers that use mobile. Well, that's really good news, but I'm also looking at data on Citibank's customers who have accounts at other banks. So that's mm-hmm. the market data that the Citibank CMO should be looking at. A Citibank customer is almost as likely to be doing mobile banking at a bank other than Citibank as they are to be doing banking at Citibank. So. Is mobile banking a loyalty tool, you know, loyalty mm. advantage for city? Mm-hmm. I don't think so, even though they've spent all that money on mobile. And that's where those two sets of information are really powerful in saying, what do my customers do with me, especially that relates to revenue, loyalty, cross-sale, cost avoidance, and what are they doing at some other bank? Because the average banker in both the U.S. and any other modern economy actually has two bank accounts, accounts with two banks, not just one. Jim, you're scaring me on the privacy issue. You're saying that one bank should be looking at what their customers are doing with others. How would they know that? Please help me with this. 
Oh no! You just you. There, there are many survey providers out there. You go directly to the consumer. You don't go to your customer to get that data. Good. Okay. Now I have. We have a comment here from Brad, our engineer on the business channel, and he, he could. He always listens to this conversation, which is great because he pays attention. And Brad says, "I moved from Bank of America to a credit union when they charged me fifteen dollars for quote unquote account management. I only bank online. So what's with the management fee? Someone." overseas is clicking the mouse a few times not cool who wants to address brad's dilemma here or his challenge well this tom i'll take that first um please uh first of all uh it's not necessarily somebody overseas clicking the mouse button um and in the case of uh the major banks you know the the data remains here uh is and, and from a management perspective what they're talking about is their operating costs uh, mm-hmm. It's not only just someone sitting there clicking a button and looking at your account. It's all the infrastructure that goes into it. Now, is that old infrastructure uh, and the older programs and, uh, frankly, the aging population of, of programmers uh, increasing mm-hmm. that cost? Certainly. Is the inability to uh, change products quickly to meet market demands and integrate the mobile uh, with the the branch banking aspects, absolutely, because of the old platforms. But, uh, you know, to, to give one to the banks, um, there's a lot more operating cost than just someone sitting there clicking. It's all the infrastructure. It's all the costs. And they're pretty readily available. You just look at a financial statement, and you can see what the operating costs are, and you just divide them, and you can you tell basically what uh, the unit costs are. So uh, while... Um, it's you know the fifteen dollars sounds egregious. It, it may or may not be, uh, okay. but more importantly, they can't just up and uh, change the way and drive cost out without changing out the systems. So it's a little like going in and saying, "I know I bought a pound of Ronzoni spaghetti for ninety nine cents in the grocery store. I boiled it, put it on a plate. I go to a restaurant, they pour a little canned sauce on it and charge me twelve ninety five for the plate. Why, right? Yeah, Infrastructure remember, overhead. Yeah, we got to remember these are public companies too. And uh, mm-hmm. they're not just driven, uh, you know, by uh, – there's a lot of social conscience there, but they're also driven by, by stock price and, and the people, uh, you know, have to keep their jobs, have to make a profit. And you're right. The spaghetti analogy works just fine. <laughs> Thank you. But, Sorry about that. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> Bonnie, if I, if I can just add, um, again, as I take this approach to, as I said earlier on, um, around revenue growth, is that – so? This is where we as banks need to take this opportunity to say, so is $15 the right or or not the right amount? That I don't know. However, Mm -hmm. where is the customer willing to pay? What what are they willing to pay for, though? So what if that account that, you know, that we just talked about that he moved from one, you know, from one uh, B of A account to a credit union? Well, what if that $15 account came with other services? What Mm -hmm. are you willing to pay for? What is the customer willing to pay for? And what I understand, you know, from as working with with retail banks, both uh, medium and small and large banks around the country, this is exactly what they're starting to really look at: is how do I package something together so that that fifteen dollars doesn't seem like some egregious fee? That it seems like yes. I am paying for a service that I am more than happy to pay for because I'm getting X, Y, and Z with it. Right. And and this is where it, it, banks really have got to turn the corner. And start looking at, as I said earlier on, the customer profitability as opposed to the product itself. Well, Carl, let me jump on and ask you a question. Mm-hmm. But, but how are they going to do that? 
Uh, how do they do that? How do they find that information out? Why don't they do it? Why didn't they do it last week? It's a great question, and I think to Jim's point, uh, a lot of it starts with uh, with analytics, with the inability to to truly see the 360 view of the customer, right? From from an analytical perspective, as well as the systems in themselves, not all tied together, right? So it becomes very challenging to um, to see the entire relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thereby create those products, and, and 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 as well, Tom, and maybe this is where you're headed with the with the old legacy systems that you said need a proper burial. Um, it's very difficult to uh, to create those types of products and packages that they can then take to market. I want to jump in here with some notes I have. I want to talk about, if I may, guys, I want to talk about prepaid cards. I have a note here that prepaid cards grew in volume last year while, listen up, every other major payment method shrank. Why? There are more unbanked, and we haven't talked about these, the unbanked and the underbanked consumers due to the recession, and they are the ones who are using a prepaid. So who wants to tell us the definition of a prepaid card and the fact that they aren't covered by regular? Regulations like the banks are. Hello, they're loaded by merchants. Who wants to jump on this? Let me do that, this Jim? Is Jim, because that, that was our Please. research data that found that. Yeah. That prepaid is literally the only growing category Why? of major products. And, you know, there are more unbanked and underbanked people because of the lingering effects of the recession. And you, so we see a significant shift. We saw it at the beginning of the recession that contrary to popular belief, people thought that, like, the credit card uh, usage was, was increasing at the beginning of the recession because people were trying to hang on to the, the house and the cards and credit cards. The opposite was true. Now we see uh, a rebound again where people are, are moving more to credit cards. But prepaid usage is really growing. And what's fascinating about prepaid usage is that a lot of the younger people or the lower-income people, who many of them are actually fairly solid financially, just a lot of bankers haven't been... Um, programmed in terms of how they handle these customers. Well, they're not often your primary customer, your customer at all. So you need to have a good understanding of how they spend and why they spend. And effectively, what, what stumps the regulators is the, the equivalent of the bank for many of these prepaid cards is actually a merchant because the consumer mm-hmm. is buying these cards at a merchant and reloading them, sometimes $250 or more at a merchant and merchants simply aren't as heavily regulated as banks are. Very interesting. Who wants to go with this one? We have about two and a half minutes before our break. Um, Tom, I think you have something to say on this from your deep background in retail banking. What do you think? The wave of the future or just a temporary sideline that's appealing because you can just go get one whenever you want? Well, I mean, it replaces cash, right? And Thank uh, you. So it's it's plastic cash, and I think there's a security aspect of it, and you know we we overlook that a lot when we, we get into these type of discussions. But but uh, you know the it, it really does happen that people cash their check and then they get robbed. So maybe going in and buying a prepaid card or getting it where they cash their check uh, is the way to go at the bank even, and and don't think the banks aren't looking at this too and and have the ability to go there. Um, I think that. Uh, it, it's one trend. I, I don't see it getting much bigger than it is. But, but to Jim's point, these are folks that generally, uh, you know, were hurt or at least stymied because of the recession, and they're still getting out. And, and uh, you know, they they're the the basic lower segment of income uh, in in this country and in other countries. So, uh, I think it'll last 
uh, I think we have to find a way to uh, make it easy for them to do business. And if the prepaid, mm-hmm. you know, if the prepaid card is one, then then the banks have to uh, wake up and adopt that. Thank you. And we're just about up to the edge here. We're going to take our third and final break. When we come back, you know what's coming. Crystal ball time. I'm going to ask my three esteemed guests, Tom, Carl, and Jim, to take a look in the crystal ball, whatever it looks like on their desk or on the wall, wherever they are today, and tell us about retail banking five years from today in 2017. I want to know who is the segment of the customer base banks should be focusing on. Is it the unbanked, underbanked? Is it the youth who in five years will be maybe late 20s, early 30s? Is it the high net worth customer? Is it the the woman who's been in business and is finally getting her, 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 getting her, her uh, golden egg or whatever she wants? So where should they be focusing? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll be right back with our final segment of today's edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers. Don't even think of touching that mouse. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, let's get back, and we have nine minutes to go around the world with crystal ball time with my three guests. Let's start off with Javelin's Jim Van Dyke. Jim, can you look ahead five years, or do you want to change the time frame? What will retail banking look like from the Javelin POV? Sure, yeah, that's what we do all the time, put them in uh, structured forecasts. A few things we see 
Uh, I'll start out with some that might sound a little more out there, like social media mm-hmm. banking. 15% of young adults want to do real banking, not just look at ads from their banks today. And that's actually much easier to solve than it sounds like. What is social media about. banking? Tell me. Define it, please. What is it? Yeah. Well, it's where you're, you're actually getting information on transactions, but the way we would uh, recommend people do it is don't send private data. Just have, have a set of code that you communicate in with you and your customer to lower wow. customer service costs, deepen loyalty. It's actually not that hard. And for marketing purposes, people need to use the specialized social method of social referral. But mostly what we see through what we coined as the customer-driven architecture is the need to put customers in control. So back-end analytics, great. What your customer wants is a set of alerts and controls that they get to use. They want to control the dials and the settings for what happens with their money. Yes, they want it to be powered by your analytics, but they want to make the ultimate decision. And those people are not really defined by gender, since you asked about that. Mm -hmm. They're primarily defined as being younger. But every year they make up more of the population, and yet they have very positive income metrics. Very, very interesting. Okay, and let's move to, uh, let's do Tom McAllister next. Tom, what do you think, crystal ball, would you like to go five years out, or do you have a different time frame you prefer? No, no, we're always looking at the same thing. And and, and Jim's mentioned a social media, I I couldn't agree more, and I think... uh, you know, some of the newer players in the in the market are building social media right into their customer care systems. We used to call them CRM, but that got to be a bad word, so it's customer care and support. Ooh, but, uh, okay. but basically, how do we take care of the customer? How do we recognize uh, what they're doing, what they're saying about us? Let's just go back to uh, what we were talking about, uh, you know, Bank of America and raising rates and all that stuff and, and the, the uh, backlash. Uh, had they been able to look... Uh, at the time, and, and they did to some degree, uh, at what people were just saying on the Internet, but uh, take it together and put it together and analyze, to Jim's point, mm-hmm. uh, probably might have had a different outcome, um, at least uh, less publicity. Uh, but let me tell you what I think. I think, you know, we talked about segments of the market. I think the banks have to look at all the segments and decide where they want to play. And, and just like anybody out there, they go with their brand and they, they use their brand the best they can. But I think what we're going to see is um, more, more, more looking at, you know, the formerly non-bank, no doubt about that. Um, we're going to have a lot more competition from companies that we look at as non-banks today but have uh, a vehicle and channels like, let's take Google and let's take yeah. uh, sales. Let, let, let's say the, say the sales capability of Amazon. Let's look at Walmart in the banking business. Let's look at all the telcos out there. I mean, they have connections to everyone and anyone. So why wouldn't they get a bank charter? I think the banks have to be aware of that, and I think that's going to happen. We see that happening. Walmart's already applied a couple of times. You know, so there's going to be more channels. The customer wants more channels. We've kind of beat that to death, but it really is true. I think that real time, from a banker's perspective, is going to get more and more important because, you know, to be able to change and, and, and put in new uh, capabilities, technology, they've got to drive out costs someplace else. The budget's not going off for the, up for the IT guys, so they're having to do more with less. So real-time, going to real-time and changing the way they process in the back office, driving out that memo post that you throw away and then you reprocess at night, that's going to be big for the banks. I think they have to implement the more flexibility of the systems, banks, and, you know, possibly 
the non-banks are going to kind of cooperate. I see a different landscape out there. I think maybe that the banks uh, will act as a source and maybe an agent and a channel for trade. Maybe, uh, you know, if they'll facilitate, let's take one segment, group purchasing. The mm-hmm. banks being able to participate in and, and act as the mechanism for clearing because they got the money, they want to keep the money, but offer more services to customers. Hey, here's three things. You're looking for this item. Check out these three stores. Check out this catalog merchant. And act more as part of the purchase and the buying uh, segment versus just the settlement agent. Thank you. And I have a quick question for you before we give Carl his time. question is, are we talking... U.S. North America? Are we talking global perspective for retail banking, Tom? Oh, I'm I'm saying globally. Good. Just wanted to clear that. Now I have to give Tom, give Carl Snyder his time. Carl, crystal ball, five years ahead. What do you see? I know you have a great perspective on this. Well, the the challenge I have is what should be and what actually will be. Ah, so, okay. Because what what should be is, is is I'm hoping where they get to, but unfortunately, you know, um, when I left retail banking after being in it for for more than 20 years, uh, um, unfortunately, I don't see a whole lot changing in the branch environment. I think we, what we really, I think what we will see is the branch environment will continue to become more and more sales focused. So that part mm-hmm. I see, but I don't know that if in five years we're going to get rid of all the teller stations, like you know some predict, or maybe maybe that's a 10-year thing out there. But I do think that the branch will morph a little bit more into a, you know, much more of a sales channel. Where I think where we'll see the biggest changes, though, is around the topics of mobility and the the ubiquity of of the channels. The channels must become consistent for the customer or or the banks will never truly market to the one, right? Be able to really intelligently, using predictive models, sell the right solutions to the customers. And where mobility is heading is person-to-person payments. And this already happens around the world, right, where you and I go out to dinner and I owe you 20 bucks for dinner and I can just simply pull out my phone and in 15 seconds I've sent you my $20 yes. for the dinner. And same mm-hmm. thing with uh, what we see a lot is with couponing. And the ability to drive loyalty management, I think, is something that we're absolutely going to see within the next five years as more and more banks become very um, proactive in delivering loyalty programs to their customers. You see what's happening at Bank of America around a new loyalty program that they have that is really, really slick, very easy to use. And you, you have the perfect device to, to, to deliver it to, that being the smartphone. Deliver the mobile couponing. It improves and increases my loyalty to you as the bank. And, and that's where I see a major, uh, a major uh, change coming. I do see the banks getting better at analytics and understanding their customer. Now, are they going to get all the way there within five years? Don't know. But I, I do see improvements happening there. But I see the biggest change, again, happening around the, uh, the mobile space. And I have a yes or no question for you, Carl. Will the CIO and CMO be talking to each other at all or more effectively in the next five years, yes or no? I sure hope so. <laughs> Is that an answer? 
<laughs> and my that is, and my big challenge, my personal challenge for the banks is I don't do in-person teller banking. I go to an ATM on weekends. Yeah. I deposit checks and get cash. I do all my banking by mail with my brokerage. They have my all my IRAs. They have my checking account. They send me my statements online. And I want to know when will the ATMs be more pleasant and cleaner when I get there on Saturday at 3 in the afternoon with the papers all over the floor and the stench and everything. When will the ATM be a more friendly little brick and mortar, if you will, for me, the banking customer, to go and feel more welcome and have a better experience. I know that's very pedestrian, but what can I tell you? Now it's time for me to do my predictions. Tomorrow is the 21st of June. We're going to be talking great topic on In the Cloud with Game Changers. Yes, that's our other live weekly show, Co-Innovation, a Cloud State of Mind. Don't you love that? June 28th on In the Cloud, we're going to be talking about Shop the Cloud. What would you buy there? Well, there are such a as enterprise app stores here on Coffee Break next Wednesday, June 27th, HR Analytics. So how is your human capital investment performing? And on July 11th, yes, we're taking off for the July 4th holiday, we'll talk about risky business time for governance. I want to say thank you to my three very, very special guests. Jim Van Dyke, such a pleasure. Carl Snyder as well. Tom McAllister, you played well in the sandbox on Coffee Break today, and I appreciate the interaction and the lively conversation a thank you to Patricia Harris, to Joan Sherlock. A special hello and kudos to Malcolm Kimberlin, the best live Coffee Break tweeter in the world. And thank you to Brad on the Business Channel team for giving us the opportunity to answer your banking questions. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. It has been a pleasure to bring you a conversation about retail banks of the future. Uh-huh. It's about the customer, not the banker. Hope you got that message. We'll be back next week with much more here on Coffee Break. And tomorrow, tune us in 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Business Channel for In the Cloud with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie, wishing you a great week. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.